Welcome to Hold Fast, a radio outreach ministry of Golgotha Fellowship in Nampa, Idaho. Join us as Pastor Marty teaches us verse by verse, chapter by chapter, book by book, through the Word of God. To listen to any of these messages in their entirety or to find out more about our fellowship, please visit GolgothaFellowship.org. Let's listen in to today's message, and may the Lord richly bless you. What have I to ask beside? Can I doubt His tenderness see? Who through life has been my guide? work with you and they they work this out together to where I'll come to your aid and help you defeat this other person and we'll unite the throne under you and we'll be allies the whole time though he's just being a weasel and he's actually raising up people within the entire southern kingdom to go against their king at the very end of it and look at verse 26 yes those who eat at the portion of his delicacy shall destroy him. Speaking of Ptolemy VI, his army shall be swept away and many shall fall down slain. And so from history, we know this is exactly what happened. Antiochus raises up these traitors within the kingdom. They come against their own king and it helps destroy him. And Antiochus wins the battle. But don't feel so bad for, for this man, Ptolemy VI, because he was doing the exact same thing. He was trying to do the same thing to the northern kingdom. He was raising up traitors. He was trying to come against the northern kingdom in the same way. So don't feel so bad for him. These guys, they're, you know, come on. These guys are just um, a couple cheats and liars gambling with the lives of others, if you think about it. But look at verse 27. Both these kings' hearts shall be bent on evil, and they shall speak lies at the same table, but it shall not prosper, for the end will still be at an appointed time. I love that last line, because no matter what the schemes of man, no matter what they do and they try to do, and they try to you know, twist and manipulate history, God's in control. God's timing is the one that matters, and God is in control. And everything that God said is going to happen, it's going to happen. You know, when we're looking at Daniel, we're looking at chapter 11, all these little minutiae of details. I told you there are 135 prophecies just in the first 35 verses. They all came true. They all came true. And these, this is just one chapter of the Bible. When God declares something, it happens because God's ultimately in control. And all of this that we're going through, all of history is just that. His story, I mentioned that last week. Remember, he's in control and he's allowing this for a season and a time because it's a proving ground. It's a testing ground. Do you understand? This life is a testing ground. Are you going to pass the test? That's what this life is. And it's but a vapor. We are here and then we're gone. You have just a little window of opportunity to make your choice on who you will serve. But this is what happened. We know Antiochus was victorious, but only for a season. And then on his return to the north, he he had to Uh, put down a rebellion from the Jews. They were having a rebellion. They basically wanted to remove the high priest he had put in there. And so he had to put that down. He killed several Jewish people, took some of them prisoner, and put down a rebellion on his way back to the north. But then we're going to see he's going to go back south. He wants to go down back south and destroy the rest of the Egyptian, the the Ptolemaic kingdom. He wants to do this, but he's going to run into trouble. Again, God's timing. He's going to run into the Roman Empire, and he's not going to be able to do it. He's going to meet a Roman fleet. Look at this, verse 28 through the first part of verse 30. 
while returning to his land with great riches, his heart shall be moved against the holy covenant. Now take note of that. So he shall do damage and return to his own land. At the appointed time, he shall return and go toward the south, but it shall not be like the former or the latter. For ships from Cyprus shall come against him. Therefore, he shall be grieved and return in rage against the holy covenant and do damage. Damage he did. Antiochus was enraged. And let me just explain what happened. He goes down there and he's going to battle. He's going to wipe out Egypt. But now Rome becomes an ally of Egypt. He can't take out both of them. And he knows this. He's defeated by this naval fleet. There's a famous story. Uh, Historians talk about it where he is brought before the Roman general after his defeat. And he's told, you need to surrender, submit to the Roman kingdom and start paying us more tribute and all of these things. And the general put a circle of dirt around him, and he said, you have to make your choice here and now. If you leave the circle, we'll kill you. But you will submit to us. If you stay in the circle, you will have to submit, and then we'll let you go. And so this prideful, arrogant man, think of that. This man is so prideful and arrogant. Think of what happens to a prideful and arrogant man when that happens, when something like this happens to him, when they're forced to submit. (laughs) It's not a good thing, is it? Um, it? It turns out to be a really bad thing for the Jewish people. Because, again, you're talking about arguments and things. Have you ever seen, maybe when you were kids, maybe the bullies on the playground? You know, they'd, they'd beat up the one kid, and then that kid would go home and beat up his puppy. You know, there's that transference where, here's the thing. Antiochus is angry. He's bitter. He's humiliated. He's going to take it out on somebody. And we know he's going to take it out on the Jewish people. He's going to make them his scapegoat. And, you know, it's similar when you think about World War II and you think about what Hitler did. It was the same thing, same type of circumstances. They were in financial ruin. The the country was in turmoil. He promised all these things. And then what did he do? He made the Jewish people a scapegoat. He made them a scapegoat. And, you know, if you look around the world today, what's happening? People don't really understand what's behind their hatred. But I do. And I know you do. And here's the thing I want to mention. You know, during World War II, you had a bunch of people, Christians, stand with Hitler against the Jewish people. And here's why. Most people don't talk about this, but Martin Luther, um, you know, we appreciate what he did, getting, you know, the scripture out of the Catholic Church, being able to start the Protestant Reformation, but later in his life, he became extremely anti-Semitic. He wrote some horrible, wicked things. And that permeated in Germany. So it wasn't just the Christians who stood with Hitler. It was many of the pastors that stood with Hitler. Not on my watch. Sorry, folks. Here's the thing. You've got to choose which side of history you're going to be on. Right now in the world, we see a division like we haven't seen in modern times. There's division going on right now, even in the Seeing church. some of the worst comments by so-called Christians out there. A lot of them have replacement theology. But it's amazing and horrible and horrific what Christians are saying these days about Israel and about the Jewish people. Now, we don't have to agree with the Israeli government. That's a totally separate issue, by the way. I've talked about this before. We don't have to. But we know God has ordained the land of Israel for a purpose. And he has ordained his people for a purpose. Never forget that. And you need to choose this day. Choose which side of history you're going to be on. Because, folks, I'm telling you, this is, I don't say this lightly. We're at a crossroads. Literally. Figuratively, too, but literally. We're at a crossroads. And you better decide now if you're going to stand for the word of God and stand for his truth or if you're going to stand against it. Again, I don't say it lightly, and it's not to be dramatic. But the horrible, wretched things I've seen, even within the church, so-called church, 
recently breaks my heart. And what do you think that does for God? But understand this. I want you to understand why there's such a hatred for the Jewish people. When you think about it, what it is is it's satanic in origin. It's the spirit of Antichrist. There's a hatred because Satan, in his horrible thinking, somehow has fooled himself that he can still win. If he can destroy the covenant, if he can destroy the land of Israel, if he can make it uninhabitable or take it away from the Jewish people, if he can wipe out the Jewish people, he can make God a liar and ultimately win. Why does he think that? I don't know. Remember, he's a liar, so maybe he believes his own lies. But here's the thing. You know, I've, I've even heard stories of people, you know, if you have Jewish friends or family members or whatever, you know, it's amazing how many of them have the same stories where people will just despise them for no reason. Now, sometimes it's a personality conflict. That's fine. But sometimes it's just, why do these people despise me? Why do they come against me continually? And they don't realize they're being inspired satanically. Oh, it's a personality conflict. Maybe. But it might be a spiritual conflict. You might resent them out of jealousy, out of envy, for whatever reason. But it's inspired by Satan. Because he hates the Jewish people. Because not only does he hate what they stand for, he hates whatever God loves. And God loves the Jewish people and he loves the nation Israel. Again, it's the center of his map. Jerusalem is the center of Israel, and the Temple Mount is the center of Jerusalem. Remember, we talked about this. Those who, who come against the Jewish people, it's like poking God in the apple of his eye. And I'm saying all this to tell you this. Satan hates the Jewish people, but make no mistake, Satan hates you too. He hates you and me. He hates the church. Do you understand? We are two sides of the same coin do you understand that hatred for Israel and for the Jewish people is the same hatred they have for you and me? They despise the church. They despise what God is doing because God loves us and he has a plan and a purpose for us. And you need to understand the church is grafted into the promise. Do you understand this? It didn't start with the church. Messiah, Mashiach, Jesus, Yeshua, he is a fulfillment of the Hebrew prophecies of those given to the Hebrews. He is fulfillment. We are living the dream of the Jewish people. We are grafted in. And they have been blinded in part for a season and for a reason. And that season and reason is the church and church history. Keep this in mind. And remember what beloved Paul, our, you know, he's my, my favorite um, author, even though we know there's one author of the Bible, but he's my favorite. And Paul talked about this in Romans. And I often remind us of this because I think we need to hear this, especially today. God is not done with Israel. We have been grafted in. Paul starts Romans chapter 11 with this. I say then, has God cast away his people? Certainly not. For I also am an Israelite of the seed of Abraham of the tribe of Benjamin. He goes on to say to the Gentiles, don't boast against the branches. Understand your role. You've been grafted in. And then he goes in verse 11 and 12. I say then, have they stumbled that they should fall? Certainly not. But through their fall, to provoke them to jealousy, salvation has come to the Gentiles. Now, if their fall is riches for the world and their failure riches for the Gentiles, how much more their fullness? They have a beautiful future. We looked at this in Daniel chapter 9. He is going to bring the end of sin. He is going to replenish Jerusalem and Israel. He is going to set up his kingdom in this place. How dare any of us as believers boast against the branches? This has been Hold Fast, a radio outreach ministry of Golgotha Fellowship in Nampa, Idaho. Thank you for listening today. If you would like to hear this message again, or any other in their entirety, please visit GolgothaFellowship.org. Our fellowship meets in Southeast Nampa, and our Sunday services are at 10 a.m. For more information visit our website.
Until next time, may the Lord richly bless you. Hi folks, Pastor Marty here. Thank you for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed the teaching today. You know, it's my prayer that it's encouraged you to continue faithfully in the study of God's Word. I think it's so crucially important that these days the body of Christ stay in grounded and anchored in the Word of God as the world around us is sinking in the waves of false doctrine and the opinions of men. If you are seeking a church family, a church home, and you live in the Southeast Nampa area, I want to personally invite you. Our Sunday services are at 10 a.m. and we currently meet at East Valley Middle School. That's right off Greenhurst and Happy Valley. If you want to find out more, if you have any questions, you need directions, you want to catch up on a message, or if you have a prayer request, just go to our website, golgothafellowship.org. Let me help you spell that. It's G-O-L-G-O-T-H-A fellowship.org. Until next time, may God bless you and remember to hold fast.